Welcome to Fireside Friends. This is episode 38. I'm Alan Ibrahim, and I'm joined as always by Ryan Prasad. I'm here. Hello. I am by a fire, and I'm with my friends. In fact, you're with me, your friend, and an alternative bonus friend. It's our guest. It's Jennifer Uncle. How you doing? Doing pretty well. Thanks. I I do refer to Jen as my alternate bonus friend. <laughs> Bone- you have friends and then you have bonus friends, and they're all loved equally, but <laughs> there's sort of like a categorization system. It's like a whole... It's very complicated. I'll explain it off the air. Mm. Uh, we are here to discuss pop culture and our lives what have you been up to, Ryan? <laughs> How those two things relate. That was what I was going to end that with. Mm. Is... Have you gone into any cool trouble? <sighs> Can we talk? All right. I want to talk about the, the bad week that this has been. This has been Go a really it. shitty week. <clears throat> I have to clear my throat to talk about the very serious matter. Um, but no, seriously. Uh, it's been a really shitty week uh, in terms of all the like sexual assault stuff uh, and people being outed as abusers and stuff like that. People close to me have been really hurt by stuff that's been going on. Um, and it, I'm so I'm coming at this, all of this uh, in a position of privilege. Cause I am not someone who really has to deal with the realities of uh, rape culture uh, on a daily basis. But I feel like people like me who have some privilege some male privilege specifically look at this stuff and go like oh i'm not like those people i i'm not a rapist and you know this thing sucks but it ain't me so whatever and it's really easy to have that reaction i've had that reaction before but i feel like this week further drove the the drove home the point of like there you need people need to like self-reflect on who they are and how they treat women and how they talk about women and what we can do to actually try to change the culture because I have nothing else this week has proved that our culture is completely fucked up and we need to work to fix that. Uh, And that requires people to look at themselves and look how they have treated women in the past and think back to like, if you know, it's one, there's a, there's a new one. There's like in between of like, okay, Maybe I don't like manipulate people physically, but what are what are times that I've like crossed boundaries or like you know what if what, what was the time where I like demanded too much of a woman or like asked too much or you know crossed emotional boundaries stuff like that that people need to like look on, back on and reflect on, and I feel like not not enough people do that or have you know don't explore those nuances nuances enough so. I don't know. That's kind of where I am with stuff. And I, this week has been really rough and I hate seeing friends hurt. And like any way right now for me, it's like any way I can like try to help people I am doing, but it's, it's rough. So I don't know. That's my week. It's bad. (laughs) Well, I mean, just as a note for I know plenty of the people listening are, are wonderful people but like just remember um, this stuff keeps happening and if you're if you're on social media and you're like why this feels like this is something that happens every week it's because it does it's because it's, it's not changing as fast yeah. as we hope it is uh, it isn't like a, fl- a flash in the pan this is gonna happen this month and we're gonna forget about it like this 
is such a consistent issue underneath all the millions of other things that are issues with the world right now. And just because you don't see it happen doesn't mean it's not happening. And people people shouldn't have to come out of the woodwork and out themselves as victims for you to start paying attention to it. That's the most frustrating thing. I'm glad that people are speaking up and I'm really, you know, people are really brave for speaking out against that stuff. But that shouldn't be a requirement to get people to shut the fuck up and open their eyes. So exactly that's that's the short and long of it jen any thoughts yeah um i think you've covered it all pretty well and i wholeheartedly agree with you on that fair enough um do you uh, do you all want to get into the, the film we can yes talk about let's something. pivot um, let's do an impossible <laughs> pivot and talk about our film for this episode hell yeah let's get right into it <laughs> Jennifer Tilly, Gina Gershon, Joe Pataliano. You don't want to shoot me, do you? Do you? I know you don't. Caesar, you don't know. Bound. The film that we watched for this episode of Fireside Friends is 1996's Bound, which was written and directed by Lana and Lily Wachowski. Oh my god. Ryan. <laughs> Ryan, up? you've seen this film before either of us. I think you had seen it like last summer I or something. I think I watched it last year. I like there was a point where I just binged the Wachowski films. So yeah, yeah. I think this was last year that I saw this. Uh yeah. Holy it's, shit. It's a great movie. It's really good. It's just overall, it's it's a stunner. It's like People, te- I know I took a film class or two film classes in college, and they never mentioned the Wachowskis in those classes. And it's a fucking shame because they do things, even in this film, even from 1996, this is pre-Matrix. They were doing things that are, like, on another level good, just in terms of, like, writing and setting and acting. Like, oh, my God. Uh, Jen, what did you think of Bound? Yeah, I was really surprised by it. Like, I've only re- very recently seen it the... The last time I had seen any of anything related to Bound was years ago on a Matrix documentary when they mentioned, oh, here's this movie where they do this sweeping shot of two people next holding a drywall. And that movie was the thing that convinced uh, Warner Brothers to fund the Matrix. And I didn't really think of much of that at the time just because it was just a small factoid. But seeing it now makes me wish that I'd seen it a lot longer. It makes me wish I'd seen it much sooner than I did. It has all the various elements that made The Matrix great. Like, there's very specific visual cues that they copy in both of them. Like, the way that it sort of zooms into various appliances and makes them seem much bigger than they are. Like, the barrel of the gun or the intense scenes where they're just... You're just hearing these clanging on the toilet while someone gets the shit beaten out of them. And it felt very familiar in that way, and also new in terms of I've never seen them work at that small of a scale before. Like, all of their mm-hmm. current stuff is stuff like V for Vendetta, or whatever that moon, I mean, whatever that werewolf space werewolf movie is. Jupiter and... Ascending is a great movie. I will defend <laughs> Oh my god, we didn't definitely listen to that episode of our show also. That's a good one. Yeah, it's it's refreshing to see them take on something so very laser focused and small and still knock it out of the park. It's it's like 
disturbingly small in a good way. Um, you mentioned wishing that you watched this sooner. I know that was a common theme when we discussed uh, Don't Take It Personally, Babe, back in August. Uh, just this like, wow, if I had had this narrative when I was younger, I would have thought about things very differently. Uh, Ryan and I, like a while ago, and Katie were on the podcast, have talked about like, we want to watch films about queer folk where it doesn't end with them dying. <laughs> yeah. And I remember a like whole week where we were trying to do that and just going on Netflix and being like, yeah, nope, they probably die in this or violence in this one or just like, it's so hard to find that. Uh, and then if you do find it, it's like either bad budget or like it just ends up being a bad movie often. Not always, but we found more than a couple that were just like, this doesn't seem like an interesting film. Uh, but Bound is like the double, <laughs> the double accomplishment of being... Uh, a positive depiction of that kind of relationship and also just an amazing crime film by itself. To like, be fair, this film is very violent. Yes. Oh, yeah. Just not against them. Well, against them, but they don't die. Let's just yeah. say that. Um, the Even the title refers to a scene that uh, kind of bookends the film where uh, Corky is bound inside of uh, uh, Violet's apartment uh, by, by Caesar. Um, and you know, I liked that framing device. I was confused at the beginning because yeah. I had no, I was like, I know this is like a crime romance movie, but I don't like know what the setup is or anything. And I really like going into movies like that. I like not even knowing what the basic concept is. And then it explains itself really well. Like, I think that's when I was talking about the script and stuff. Uh, it doesn't kind of like expect you to pick up the pace. It just tell it like tells you in an effective way. Hey, here's who these characters are. Here's their relationships. Like, they, the, the girls kiss in, like, ten minutes of the film. <laughs> They're, like, very quick to that, to get to that point. Oh, my... But, so, the first ten minutes of this film is them deliberately creating situations in which you're just, like, they're gonna fuck. When are yeah. they gonna do it? Uh, she put her Here earring in the fucking sink, and <laughs> she's screwing the thing out of it in a really suggestive way. When are they gonna fuck? <laughs> It's basically what you imagine whenever people talked about those porn videos with the handyman coming to fix the day. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's very comical in that way. It's it's over the top. It's really ridiculous. Yeah, all the like little ways, and not not so little, but all the big ways that they flirt with each other are just a joy. Like the giving her a cup, two cups of coffee, one with cream and one black, and then she's like, oh, "I see you like it black," and she's like, "Uh huh," <laughs> like yeah, that's the way I like my coffee. Um, and also, I just I like things raw. Just like this implication, that there's like an intimacy that they're developing like instantly, uh, and this comfort with each other, and this back and forth, and like this acceptance. Uh, that you don't like I love seeing that in 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 like cinematic romances mm. uh, it doesn't feel one-sided at all like both of them are like very willing to like buy into it um, and that ends up forming the core of the plan which is like both of us are going to do completely separate things for a while and then we're going to meet and we need to rely on each other we're not going to fuck each other over yeah yeah Violet's role uh, is essentially hoping that the things that Corky has suggested will pay off, and Corky's over there hiding, hoping that the her boyfriend, her mob boyfriend Caesar, doesn't stray from their ideas too much and do really terrible things. Of course he does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
but like getting there is just I, I don't know I really really I found something enjoyable about just like learning what the plan was and they kind of Ocean's Eleven it where she says the whole plan and then it cuts back to before it's even happened and they're sitting in the apartment just like kind of still simmering with the whole like heat of being attracted to each other and then just like oh we're we're so into this we're gonna steal all the money we're gonna do it like this this earnestness with which that they <laughs> plan to take two million dollars uh from caesar played by joe pandeliano uh basically he's going to do a handoff to a big mob boss uh gino marzone and his uh shit toilet son johnny <laughs> played deliciously by christopher maloney um <laughs> with his red suit and his kicking the man into the toilet uh i like him a lot there's a lot of there's a lot of good roles there aren't well there's actually not a lot of characters in this film um I could probably count them on in like, it's like 20 people maybe uh, that get speaking roles. Uh, but like we were saying, the Wachowskis are known for like these big budget, exciting sort of like large scale stories. I think all, I, I made a note of this. I think all of bound takes place just in that building in the apartment complex. Uh, there's at there's least one scene, other scene there's where scene they go to the bar. Yeah. Uh, and then there's a few, few scenes oh, yeah. in the truck, but other than that, yeah. Well, uh, also uh, Johnny's apartment. Yeah. That's Do you that. think Johnny's apartment would be the same set though? I'd be. I'd. I'd. I'd believe it. Yeah. But, it, but what I'm getting at is like they are using. They're like using their budgets very well. Um. They they use it for stuff like the action scenes and the, just like pinpoint awesome directing of like every time someone either fires a gun or makes like a physical sudden movement, be it a punch or like a pushing someone against a wall seductively like all of that has like a like a a bassy sound behind it um that makes everything just like feel intense even though what's happening on the screen isn't that intense like alan over text you described the, this movie soundtrack you compared it to the soundtrack of indigo prophecy <laughs> okay yes <laughs> let me explain this it, okay if, if you don't play indigo prophecy it's not a good game i'm sorry you played it uh it's got this soundtrack that's like <laughs> uh it's got this soundtrack that's like way more way louder and more epic than anything you're doing sure okay and you're just like i'm walking down this library hallway and it's like yeah yeah and you're like i don't what what's what's to be excited about and this movie kind of does that but it works because everything just feels heightened because of that you're like oh yes running down the street you know going to the other person's room knocking on the door lock picking the door big just loud music yeah <laughs> it's yeah. like a very yeah. very loud movie yeah yep. and just um the sound in general is very great like when caesar's trying to pull one over on some of the mafia boss the mafia people that come and check in on the situation when they look like they're close to discovering something most of the audio fades out as caesar's holding his gun under, under that towel Everything's moving much slower. His eyes are squinting. Yeah. 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 That's so cool. Yeah. It's all, it's all deliberate too. It just like makes you feel invested. Even you can honestly watch a lot of this film muted and like understand it or at least like without dialogue and just like sound design and, and movement of the camera can explain a lot of it. Um, it almost felt old fashioned in that way. Um, like I mentioned before recording that one of my favorite shots is, uh, I think it's Corky or uh, either Violet or Corky, obviously being chased down the staircase by Caesar, and 
the like camera follows them as if the camera is Caesar. Um, so it's like this weird second person camera angle that's really intimidating because you're like, I don't know where am I going? Why am I going? Like, it it felt like something out of like a weird old like a Hitchcock film. Yeah. Uh, which I really appreciate. Like again, I I love that kind of stuff to to pick out. Well, to the point of like the sound design and stuff. This movie is so good at just like ratcheting up the tension and making you feel like the most anxious person. Like I've seen this movie before. I know how it ends. There's a happy ending, but like when yeah. when Violet is calling uh, Quirky on the phone, I was just like, "Why the fuck are you calling Quirky? He's getting he's getting like." dressed he's like you know he's trying to take care of the bodies he's gonna listen in on the conversation he's gonna see that you're on the phone get off the phone <laughs> yeah or when the police officers are walking through the apartment one of them's digging his foot into the carpet and you can see the blood start to rise yeah up. yeah that was the other scene where I was like, this is... Indigo Prophecy, like, straight up just borrows this concept yeah, well, of, like... Did, yeah, Indigo Prophecy does that, and then it adds, like, four other, like, fucking split screens to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 the first scene of Indigo Prophecy is just, like, this guy who did a murder by accident in, in his dreams, and then the police come, and you have to, like, hide and escape, and the police is coming, and it's really intense, and it's the same, like, did I leave bloodstains on the floor? Did I? What happened in the bathroom? Did I leave the thing in the shower? Like, oh, God, oh, God. And then, Dave, and then David Cage is like, play this fucking, like, 15 frames per second nightmare <laughs> hellscape. Yeah. <laughs> they make a point repeatedly in this movie to talk about, like, how much blood comes out of somebody when they're shot. Um, repeatedly. Like, when they talk about the guy that got shot near the... That was getting his head pushed into the toilet. And then uh, Caesar's like, oh, man, like, he got... He completely ruined my shirt. Uh, he ruined the money. <laughs> Which leads to one of the coolest moments in the film, too, when they're like, how did you clean the money? And then it's like, you fucking stayed up all night and washed it and then hand ironed each individual $100. That seems like a project that would be done in more than one night. Yeah, that's like, especially for one person. Yeah. <laughs> Is it two million? Like, that's, I'm not going to do the math right now, but that's a lot of, uh, that's a lot of. Of $100 bills. Yeah, and the money is comically red when they get it in. Like, it's covered yeah. head to toe. The whole bag is dripping with blood. Yeah, It's $20,000 bills. I did do the math. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, it almost, like, didn't look like money, which I thought was a cool touch. That it just looked like, looked like this otherworldly substance that we're all so excited for and obsessed with. Like, as soon as you, I guess, dissociate the color green from money, you're just like, this is just, like, weird, gross red paper. <laughs> like... Why do we all want this really badly? Mm-hmm. Um, and you mentioned the phone. You mentioned the walls and the thinness of the walls. And I love this this recurring theme of like how the walls uh, for the criminals are like a point of anxiety. Like, oh, shit, they're going to see the bullet holes in the walls. But for Violet and Corky, the wall is like the only thing that can connect them mm-hmm. in a kind of ironic way. Like, even though it separates them, it's like I can hear her through the wall. Uh, and that's good for most of the film. That they can like put their hand against the wall and know that someone's there and not worry about being caught. Their love can can flourish without getting in trouble. Uh, and then, of course, you get that just horrifying scene where uh, Caesar starts calling the number back. And he starts hearing the beginning of the ring. And he's like, oh, that <laughs> ring is on the other side of this wall. Who the fuck is over there? Yeah. And their one little secret is broken. And then it's just... Yeah, it's... So, I, I've either of you seen... This is a weird, small film. Uh, Before the Devil Knows You're Dead heard of it hmm. i've seen that yeah i don't think i've seen so that either uh sydney lumet who did network it's actually the last film he did before he died okay. um 
it's a really intense film uh, about basically like a bunch of like a family family members who are trying to like rob banks and then something really bad happens and the reason I bring it up is like it has this recurring feeling of like just things are getting go like we had a plan like we like, the whole like, premise is like we had a plan it didn't go right now how do we recover from that because um, if this plan went perfectly Corgi's plan that she dictates to to uh to Violet sorry I forgot names is it's like perfect it's incredible. Um, just this whole, like, I'm going to manipulate these men to trick each other and think that this person lied and they're going to kill this guy. He's going to think it was that guy all along and then we'll be fine. And then we can run away like just flawless. And then as soon as it comes to like one slight part of it going wrong, they have to improvise and it doesn't go well for most of for a long time before they finally have to just break out the guns. Yeah. When they suggest the running plan, they don't count on Caesar having this intense grudge against the sun. Because as soon as he finds out that it's fight or flight, he digs in his heels and plans to... Yeah, he plans to catch the sun red-handed by making him open the case and admit to his own supposed wrongdoing. And when that goes to shit, he just starts shooting. Right. Shoots the biggest mob boss ever (laughs) in Chicago, Gino. Uh... Again, really, really fun, like comically Italian man. <laughs> yeah, he could, he could, he says capiche like three or <laughs> four times, times at in least. the scene. <laughs> like after every other, after every sentence, basically. He, yeah, capiche. He looks like Angelo Battlementi. <laughs> oh my god, he kind of does. You're right. <laughs> Break out a piano and play some ominous music. <laughs> yeah. Uh, He's great. I, I love that that, that guy's just a cartoon character of like a cartoon parody of Italian mob boss. Yeah. Um cuz they like make the characters that matter are like really well drawn and and interesting to follow, but then all of the extraneous characters like the cops are just like idiot cops. The cops are so good. <laughs> <laughs> they like there's the scene where they like knock on the door and then the cop is just like, "Yep, we're cops." Yep. And then the other one just like looks through the door <laughs> and smiles. Yeah. I if there isn't a gif of that, I'm absolutely making a gif of that shot because that's like a really good reaction shot. Like, hey, yeah. <laughs> sliding into the DMs or what have you. <laughs> it, yeah, they're hilarious. One of them is actually the the I think the one who slides his head in is Kevin Michael Richardson, uh, who you probably won't know his face, but he's like one of the most famous voice actors today. Um. He's like incredible. He's he's like six hundred credits or something. You know, like how a lot of American voice actors just do everything. He's one of those. Um, so that was fun to see that. And then he like goes to the bathroom and I. So was the idea like there's body parts in the shower? Was that why they were worried about the shower? Yeah. There was an actual body in the shower. Yeah. Oh great, fun stuff. Uh, and he just walks into the shower and you're like, this is it. This is where he gets caught. This is the bad part. And he doesn't. That guy doesn't see it. And then the other cop is like looking around, looks at the painting, doesn't notice that it's out of place, um, and then steps on the bloody carpet, doesn't notice that, and you're like, what? <laughs> These cops are so stupid. The fact that she, when they called her, uh, was like, uh, why do you want to come up? Like, that's suspicious. You should, like, <laughs> that should have been a red flag immediately. Uh, although I also probably wouldn't let cops into my apartment without asking, but like, just the way that she like immediately sounds nervous and opens the door like peers one eye in you're like what are you hi- you should know that she's hiding something <laughs> um 
but it's yeah that's another like just the way that the each individual scene like ra- ramps up tension is it's fun it's honestly like super fun to watch yeah um i'm trying to think of other like big things i don't know i just i immediately fell in love with corky i think gina gershon's incredible there's one scene where she's terrible she like yeah? she like shames violet for doing sex work like what the fuck Oh yeah, she kind of takes that higher than thou stance yeah. of like I I have sex like with the people who I yeah 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 I know the scene you're talking about yeah that sucked and yeah, then they don't really address her. it after that which was disappointing oh yeah it, she's she's painted early on as like a like really intense but like I've lived along like she's an ex con also like she's fresh out of prison but like yeah she doesn't interact with humans very well she isn't exactly like a like a uh, delicate romantic. <laughs> Um, she has some shitty thoughts, some shitty things she says. Yeah, uh, I felt pretty hypocritical too because she is a regular at a bar where she goes pretty often just to have sex. So how's that much different than what Violet does? Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, it's yeah, they're they're on two different sides of that of that argument, and it's a weird thing that separates them. It's like unfortunate. It was hard to also, get a read on Caesar's um, reaction to corky as a lesbian initially too because when he first walks in on them about to have pretty hardcore sex he gets Mm -hmm. he gets super aggressive when he thinks that corky's a guy but then she turns around and he's like oh okay it's no big deal and it's dark in here yeah Yeah. (laughs) it for some reason when i initially saw that i thought that he was just cool with girls doing it and not another man doing it but then right later in the movie he says i knew i couldn't trust you all queers are trouble essentially yeah yeah he uses he uses queer and dyke in really harmful shitty ways like just to be an asshole and to be ignorant and stupid like it's weird to see those words change meaning over the (laughs) over the many years um but He's just, yeah, he, he like, has no... He can't even fathom the idea at first that these two could be together in a romantic context. Like, that just doesn't click with him. Yeah. Uh, and then by the time he does realize it, he's like, oh, now I hate both of you because of that. And it's like, mm, it's very it's very bad. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Caesar. Uh, but that's what I mean by, like, he's just the worst. And it's really, like, I just want to see this guy die. Like, let's just hurry up and kill him. Um and he ends up dying in, like, the last, like, minute of the movie. Like, the end of the movie is just, like, all right, everything goes bad. The All the people are coming. Um, everyone's been lied to. All of the places have been raided. We're all centering on this apartment uh, net right now. And he's still alive. And he has a gun, and he still weirdly has control. And you're just like, come on. Uh, finally, they get him in that scene where, you know, Corky says, oh, all of the money is in... Uh, they do the, the thing with the fingers, which, fuck finger violence honestly yeah yeah that stuff was rough i can't i think i dislike i think eye stuff is a little bit worse for me but uh finger stuff especially with those like garden clippers uh i don't like it i'm not a fan yeah and i usually get a kick out of like like absurd action movie violence but uh the whole like you have 10 like it sounds like he's being nice and he's like oh you have 10 ants you get to have 10 chances Except each one of them is a finger that I take off. Wait a minute, what? <laughs> yeah. This is horrible. Who, and he's doing but that who's her. gonna who's gonna be like, well, you cut up my nine fingers. I guess I'll I need this last one, so I'll tell you. 
I can't pick my nose with no fingers, so here you go. The money's here. Uh, that the first time that happened, it worried me because I, um, I don't like the like recurring action movie motif of uh, people always talk after they're tortured. Yeah. Uh, in these things, it just it suggests to that torture works. Yeah. And obviously, we could have a broader conversation about that in like a world affairs context. Um, but. I don't know. I, I think that the fact that it worked at first, but then with Corky and Violet, it doesn't work is really good. It's like, oh, thank goodness. Like, that's the way that that needed to wrap up. And she didn't have to lose any fingers. It was like on the first one. Corky's like, oh, it's in the it's in the paint cans. Yeah, definitely. She says it. It's not in there. Or rather, it is. He goes there, but they've now laid a brilliant trap for him. Which is, we, we just both have guns. <laughs> yeah, and all three of the buckets of paint have similar looking bags in them. Right, exactly. Um, so yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, he he gets all angry, and that whole bucket of paint thing leads to another amazing shot where there's just paint all over the floor, everything's painted white, and uh, he's he's cornered. And then finally, he says, like, you know, Violet, you would never shoot me. You're not the bad one. Uh, Corky's the mean one, and she doesn't have a chance to shoot me. You're not gonna do it. She's like, yeah, you think? And then she just fucking pops him <laughs> once, twice, three times, ten she times. Says- she, no, she says, Caesar, you don't know shit. <laughs> and then shoots him. <laughs> it's a great. Yeah. And the like blood mixed with the paint and yep. it's like mm. slow motion. It's great. Yeah. And the music and the like, uh, people dying in this movie is also really, it's shot beautifully. Like when Gino dies, he yeah. falls backwards and the camera like yeah. follows him going down. It's Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how they did that effect, but that's amazing. That it just like looks like he is a building going down or something. Yeah. Uh, God, this movie's cinematography is so good. It's like on another level. I'm telling you. Um, I'm telling you because we've all seen, we all watched it. <laughs> but like everyone's coming, and then they're like, "All right, well, I guess we can just go be cool lesbians together." Now we have these sunglasses that are on all the posters. Uh, bye. And they just take their they take uh, Corky's truck and they go off into the sunset holding hands. <laughs> It's amazing. Yeah, their truck, which is a getaway car. Yeah, the getaway oh, truck. Fucking stop! It's a truck. <laughs> oh, oh, y'all, y'all, <laughs> Can Alan, you explain this a little bit for the people? I, I caught some of this last night. We were talking about the film, and I said, uh, "I was pointing out the getaway car," and then I corrected uh-huh. myself and said it was a getaway truck, and then Jen was like, "No." The truck is a car. I was like, a truck's not a car. It's a truck. You don't call it a truck. You don't, like, park a truck somewhere and be like, oh, yeah, I parked my car over there. You'd say, no, I parked my truck over there because it's a truck. Cars are, trucks are just cars with the back removed. That's all they are. It's No, but cars still have trunks on them. They're just much smaller. A truck is like a big, like, a truck is, like, substantially bigger than a car. That's what makes it not a car. They're often pretty similar uh, in size. No, they're not. What are you talking about? <laughs> the car is smaller. It's 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 kind of like a square rectangle thing where it's like, yeah, not all trucks are cars are not all trucks are cars. <laughs> Sorry. My See, brain's gonna shatter. And you didn't misspeak initially when you you didn't mistype when you initially sent me that text message because in the movie they call it their getaway car. They're yeah, calling it wrong. a car. 
Oh yeah, but, but she's I think wrong. that's intentional though, because they're saying like it would be a getaway car, except it's a truck. It's not a getaway car. Yeah, it's supposed to be like an ironic, like, ha, I have a big red truck. Look at my cool big red truck. It's our getaway <laughs> like car. Look at my big gay truck. But it's a truck <laughs> because I'm quirky. That I bought with all this blood money. Yeah. Blood money, red truck, connection. <gasps> I think I actually didn't think about it too hard until now. I think Ryan's right. Because if you're saying that that's a car, then what defines no. a car? Is it just a vehicle <laughs> with four wheels? <laughs> Is a car just a vehicle with four wheels? I'd say that's a good place to start. Yeah. It's... Hold on. But a truck can have more than four wheels. I'd say trucks and cars look pretty dang similar. Like, they have very similar internals. They Yeah, but just because something looks similar doesn't mean that they're similar. Oh, God. Uh, Merriam-Webster com- completely destroys this argument. According to Merriam-Webster, car, noun, number one definition, a vehicle that moves on wheels. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> No, fuck that. Yeah, that's not... Because I wanted to call a motorcycle a car. That's not a car. That's a motorcycle. Yeah, no, of course not. But but you call the thing next to it a sidecar. Wait a minute. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> My brain is broken now. Language is dumb is what we're trying to say. Oh. <laughs> I had someone argue with me recently that language in the English language isn't dumb and that words should mean what they mean and we shouldn't put slang into the English language. I was like, what? what? <laughs> All of the words that you use on a regular basis came from 10 other places. Nothing is, is based in any, like, hard... We don't have, like, a, a textbook that says, here's all the English words, and this is the way they'll be forever. Dictionaries change, like, every year. Did he end that sentence with, like, yeah, we shouldn't have, you know, language... We shouldn't have, like, slang in our language, dog, fam. <laughs> dog fam she was like it's lit it's pretty much lit and i was like is it lit is it lighted is it no i meant it's lit like it's literature duh <laughs> and then we were told to leave the classroom <laughs> we were escorted out um uh, this, i really like this movie ends with the best line where corgi's like do you know what the difference between you and me is and she's like no and she's like me neither and then they drive off it's great <laughs> yes music kicks in Cause i think because earlier there was like some line where they were like the difference between you and me is blah 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 well yeah corgi's just like you're a rich girl and something you're not actually who you say you are you think you're all cool but you're just a rich woman and right. then violet's just like i witness murders on a daily basis <laughs> like <laughs> i'm i'm currently dating a crime boss like who are you talking to yeah. Someone, oh, this is just Alan talking. Gina Gershon, tell me how you got your amazing lips in this movie. You're fucking gorgeous, and I want that look. That like the sleeveless, like it's a good look. mechanic. It's with the sleeve tattoo. I want that tattoo. I want that hairstyle. The like eleven earrings that are all uh, lock picks. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Plus, it's just I, too good. I kind of wish my name was as cool as Corky. Corky, you can just call yourself Corky. That's the other thing about names. Do you want us to just start calling you Corky? <laughs> I'm good. Thanks. <laughs> I mean Corky. It's a well, it's a really quirky name. Oh, no. I was I heard. I, ugh, <laughs> it, it's Hello. a shame. It's a shame that they didn't bring her back for Band Two, though, which was uh, written and directed by Kanye West. Kanye West, no, Chad, no. <laughs> what? I hate both of you. <laughs> Fucking. Was that the joke lords. you were saving for this? Yes. God damn it. What the fuck? I know, I 
movie, I thought of Bound 2, and I was like, no, no, they'll make fun of me, no. And then Jen did it. Thanks, Jen. High five. <sighs> Gina Gershon and Jennifer Tilly were nervous about filming the sex scenes and prepared by drinking tequila. <laughs> I assume you're reading IMDb facts now. I am. That sex scene was really intense. I was like gonna text you early on and be like, "Is this film explicit?" I know you said it was like very gay, but I was like, "Is it explicit though?" Kind of. And then like they kiss, and then they do like the gay sex. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what's the, don't bring I your mean, kids to bound. What's the family council score on this? <laughs> oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> what is is that? Uh, what separate website? Yeah, that like it's like they do they do ratings that are just like, should you watch this film with your family? Oh, this could be a good, uh, good, you know, good way to introduce your kids to homosexuality. What are the ethics of hom- like some <laughs> shit like that? I don't know. I know, and I can never find it because IMDb's like desktop website is a mess. But they have a oh here it is. They have like a content advisory page that's user submitted. That's like broken up into categories. Like how does this movie fare with like sex and nudity, or violence and gore, or profanity, or alcohol? Yeah, it's pretty uh, much the same along the same lines. Yeah, so for just for sex and nudity, I'll read. <laughs> Actually, wait, no, this is like, this is explicit. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm reading it right now. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's great commentary. Uh, yeah, watch the film. Go enjoy the film. It like, an unrated it's like somewhere. It's like a softcore porn for like 10 minutes, and then it turns into like an intense thriller for the rest of yeah. it. It's ridiculous. Which I- I appreciate there isn't enough, like, well, well, how am I going to word this correctly? <laughs> it's nice to see just, like, a movie that came out in theaters that's like, hey, here's, like, softcore lesbian stuff. And it's, like, not, like, the the straight male gaze is what's being focused on. It's just, like, no, here's just, like, two super lesbian lesbians just, like, going at it. And then, anyways, also, here's a really good film. <laughs> I enjoy that. I enjoyed this movie. I'm so glad we watched it. I haven't watched, like, a good cinema movie in a while um and it was really satisfying to be oh yeah yeah I re- now i remember why film was good this movie honestly like restored made me want to watch more movies yeah it's, when you watch uh, a good one you're just like why aren't they all like this exactly this is good. it yeah. seems like it's not that hard they i don't think the budget on this movie was big at all <laughs> and i cared about all the characters and i liked them and i thought the violence was like beautiful and it was cinematography was incredible uh and yet there's like you know, Avatar Six is gonna make me fall asleep probably <laughs> if it comes out, uh, or whatever the fucking the next Marvel movie. <laughs> we it's becoming a weird recurring thing for us to like lightly dump on the Marvel films on Fireside Friends. That's a pretty good tradition, was, to be honest. I was I was about to segue to be like, we don't really hate them, but fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Some of them are fine, most of them are boring. I like Star Wars. I love, yes. We all love Star Wars. <laughs> We're all Star Wars a, fans here. I was a, I was in a costume store today, and they had a lot of good Star Wars stuff. A lot of girls are getting Ray costumes, and that made me happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I a, won't spoil. <clears throat> there is a twenty-seven feet twenty fate. There's a twenty feet and fiend film. Yeah. Uh, called the Snowman, uh, in which the the director of that film admitted that. They didn't get to shoot ten to fifteen percent of the script. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> yeah, is that what people were talking about that movie? Yeah, I saw it on Twitter.com. 
And that's the most <laughs> ridiculous thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Usually it's like they got to shoot the whole script, but like one ten percent of it makes it to the movie. <laughs> no, they did, yeah, they did the opposite. Yeah, they just didn't get to shoot half the script. That's unfortunate. That's hilarious. <laughs> this looks like Michael Fassbender kills someone. That's what this cover list, this portrait looks like. Whatever. Yeah. Poster? That's the word. When is he not killing people? Oh, wait. How about uh, the sex movie? God. Remember please. the Michael Fassbender sex movie? Yeah, let's not talk about that one. Yeah. That was really bad. Hunger. No, that's it's shame. No, Hunger's the it's a Hunger Strike movie. Yeah, you're thinking of shame. Yes, I am. Uh, let's, let's not, not talk about that. Let's not open that can of worms. <laughs> no. But yeah, mm. wow. Michael Fassbender really does kill a lot of people. Let's wrap it up. We're talking about Michael Fassbender on the Bound episode. <laughs> Here's a question. Can Please. Email from me, Ryan Fursad, firesidefriends.net. Oh, okay. Here, let's open it up. All right, what's up? Where the emailer. Where does this movie fall in the context of the rest of the Wachowski works for y'all? Oh, that's hard. Like in terms of quality or uh, I or guess enjoyment? in terms like... of your personal favorites. Right. Uh, I'd say it's definitely in the top three or four for me. Like, I would probably put Matrix at number one, obviously. Speed Racer at number two. And, uh, yeah, somewhere around three to five seems like a good place for Bound to Fall. Yeah, I'm hovering between this and Speed Racer for number two. Matrix has to take number one for me just because of, like, well, yeah, it's, it's like a close, it's all close. They're all very good. Um, first Matrix, that is, obviously. And then, like, V for Vendetta is, like, number 17, even though I don't think they made 17 films. <laughs> well, they technically didn't direct that proper. Oh, that's true. They were heavily that was that, involved, but... That yeah. dude. It was, yeah. But you mean Zack Snyder? It, did no. Zack Snyder direct that movie? I thought it was no, like one no, of their no, no. Produ- like one of their production crew just directed it. James... No, James McTeague. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I want to... Should I see... <laughs> Sorry, I was gonna say, hey folks, should I? Should we talk? Is Cloud Atlas good? But I have a Chrome add-on that changes the word "cloud" to "butt," so I was gonna ask you if "butt Atlas." <laughs> hey, uh, you want to click Cloud Atlas and read me the number of minutes that movie is? The number what? Number? How long is that movie? Do you want to figure? Oh, it? oh, that movie's two hours and fifty-two minutes long. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. really long. Never I, mind. I never, I never ended up watching it because there's scenes where they put tom hanks and all the other actors in blackface and that seems oh yeah oh because they're bad. like a part that's in old like ancient africa yep 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 i'm gonna read that book someday that seems like a good book it's also very long though but that's like i don't know i don't always like it when the wakowskis adapt things that's why i liked bound is it just felt very original um i actually don't know if it's based on an original script or not i think it is but yeah a lot of the like that's what, part of why people didn't like cloud atlas was but... felt like like you can't adapt that Yep. I mean, they adopted Speed Racer. But Speed Racer. Racer, sorry, you're right. Well, here's the thing about Speed Racer. <laughs> Part two of Fireside Friends is the full Speed Racer. <laughs> um, be sure to flip the tape over to side B. Yeah, the thing about uh, Bound for me is it was made during the same 90s boom where we were getting things like Memento, Reservoir Dogs, Clerks. It was a It was a time where a lot of new upcoming directors were given a very small budget and asked to 
create something special and a lot of them did mm-hmm. and then it yeah and those are all like fairly do that and i like all of those films but they're all like incredibly male-centric and not even in just the way that they're cast but a lot of them are like about masculinity like you know seven and uh uh the other one that you mentioned that i can't remember right now um there it's just like this movie is not it's not that it's not like a bunch of dudes succeeding or like solving crimes it's just like about women being that way and it's not it's just that it's unique in that space but it's also yeah like you said it's doing a lot with a little totally ah fun film fun film definitely would watch it again it's short we I like I like when we watch shorter movies in Fireside Friends, not just because I always watch them right before we hit go, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to make you to wait too long. But uh, it's like an hour forty, and they tell such a good story in that time. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, do you want to uh, help us go over to some plugs? Plug zone. It's the plug zone I've... where we plug our stuff. I don't know why I said it like that. Welcome to the plug zone. Oh, that sounds gross. Welcome to the plug zone. <laughs> get ready Never to get plugged. No, Jen! <laughs> you can uh. find Fireside Friends at firesidefriends.net. When you go to firesidefriends.net, you'll see that we are on abnormalmapping.com because when you type in firesidefriends.com, it goes to abnormal mapping. That's how the internet works. We are hosted on the Abnormal Mapping Podcast Network. Uh, you could check out the other shows on the network, including Abnormal Mapping, which is a game club cast. Second Officer Slog, which is a Star Trek podcast. Uh, they read some books and talk about them, watch some Star Trek episodes. They're watching Discovery as well, if you want to follow along with them. The Amory Score is a Coheed and Cambria podcast. Uh, where they read the, the comic books of Coheed and Cambria and talk about that ridiculous lore. That's Jackson and Molly's podcast. The Great Gundam Project is where they watch all of the Gundam for Patreon. It's for Patreon backers. If you back $1 to Patreon, uh, you get to listen to them watch Gundam. And uh, I don't know if they'll ever finish all of the Gundam. We'll see. But they're doing it. And uh, Somebody... Yeah. Sorry, real quickly. Um, somebody messaged them recently and was like, what happens when Gundam is bad? Are you going to like skip stuff? And they're like, fuck no. <laughs> We're doing all of it. That's the point. Yeah, that was Colin. Shout out to Colin. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Hi, Colin. That's it. That was the plugs. Those are the, oh, great. Those are the website plugs. I've decided this... I, I was talking to Jackson about plugging Goofstone, and they told me that they don't do Goofstone as much because of time reasons. So any less... Any show that I don't have to plug at the end of it is good for me. Saves my voice. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Ryan, last thing I'll make you say, where can people find you personally on the online? Talking Detective on Twitter. You can find me there. I'm tweeting about stuff. Yeah. I'm doing Great. stuff there. Jennifer, where can people find you online? So I'm at JBU3 on Twitter. And... Um, in addition to doing freelance stuff for various sites, most of my work is on scanlinemedia.com where I do podcasts, articles, videos with Colin. And uh, yeah, that's basically where we are for now. That might change. A few things might change in the future soon, but uh, look out for that, I guess. 
I liked it when that one time when the Scanline Media Twitter account was like, Jen, you tweet well at, or later at night or something. And I was like, ah, that's that's a website that tweeted at you. <laughs> yeah. It's a sentient internet. Uh, speaking of being sentient, I can be found sentient on Twitter <laughs> at Alan Ibrahim. Okay. Uh -huh. Okay, sure. Uh, <laughs> um, my Twitter is Alan Ibrahim. My full name is A L L E N I B R A H I M. Follow me over there if you want to watch me slowly get addicted to Gunpla and One Piece. Um, <laughs> it's a great time. And if you want to listen to me on another podcast, I also co-host the Chats Television podcast, which is found wherever you listen to podcasts. We are currently about halfway through season three of Avatar: The Last Airbender, and uh, we have a lot of fancy stuff coming up very soon. So check that feed out if you like television. Which which tribe are you, do you belong to? Uh, wow, that's yeah. Wait, you said a bad that's thing. That's really problematic. <laughs> yeah, I think about it. Holy shit! To uh, be fair, they don't dude. call them all tribes. Only the water one is a tribe. The earth okay. one is a kingdom. Okay, got it. Wow. <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. No, no, it's whatever. That's just mostly very respectable, uh, respective of like indigenous nations and how to refer to those things. I hope uh, so. God, I hope so. Yeah, well, yeah. It, it was like an 05, so it's sometimes it's dated in other ways. Uh, the girls fight a lot on it. It's not Which, are you a water? Or you or that, we're avoiding my main question. Who Are you I a wanna water? Be, I want to be an... It's sort of like a flight versus invisibility thing. I want to be an airbender. I'm probably an earthbender. Jen. Hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> Firebenders are pretty cool. Hell yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go with Firebender because in the M. Night Shyamalan movie, the Firebenders are all Indian. So. <laughs> That's not accurate at all. It's supposed to be like a Nazi thing anyways. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. Uh, that is, in fact, with that, we're going to bring it. Uh, this episode of Fireside Friends to a close. Uh, good luck out there. And don't forget to take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Do you know what episode number this is? I do. This is episode 38. Good job. Thank you. Make sure we don't do that again. Pra I know. Practice run. Here's my <laughs> practice run. Hello, and welcome to Fireside Friends. This is episode 30. I think your voice cut off because I just heard, oh, and welcome to Fireside Friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, glad you could join us. Didn't see you there. Welcome. <laughs> Ah, uh, what is the audio equivalent of turning your chair around and smoking a cigar in a robe going, oh, didn't see you show up, like looking out from the book. <laughs> How do we convey that in audio form in a wave file? Find a large wooden chair and just make it scrape across the floor. <laughs> <laughs> or a good Foley set like sound effect. Freesounds.net. Uh, we should get sponsored by freesounds.net. Maybe they'll send us some free, some free sounds.